Welcome to Anecdotal Anatomy, the podcast that curiously explores the stories the body holds and tells through conversations, stories, and practices. Our mission is to connect the individual to the collective through our stories, so we may better understand our interdependence and ultimately live a more peaceful coexistence. Is that too much to ask for? Each episode builds from the last and contains kernels of every conversation we've had to date. We cover sciencey things like fascia, anatomy, the nervous system, and other body-based sciences. We also have a pretty high tolerance for the woo factor, which, let's face it, is also energy and should not be discarded as if it has no value. We are nature-loving, yoga and meditation teaching podcasters that could, aiming to make the world just a little better than we found it. Our motto is, leave no trash trace, we're only visiting, but leave your heart print with every step. Hey, Teresa. Hey, Sherry. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's another day, another beautiful day in paradise. I know. They say it's a beautiful day in paradise, but I woke up to read my email this morning, and the first thing I see is crazy weather in America. So there's always something to want to interject whether things are in balance or out of balance. And that's what the article was about. A cold spell up in the center north and a heat spell in the southeast. Ta-da. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank goodness the paradise piece is not completely tethered to the weather. Yes. We can, right? Yes. Oh we can live gosh. in paradise just about anywhere. Look, I even have a palm tree in case anybody <laughs> is watching us on YouTube. Paradise <laughs> is all about palms. Oh, my gosh. Palms and Poe. Palms, palms yes. Poe, pillars, perspectives, programs, perceptions, play. Ooh. That's Let's a lot keep... of peace that we're talking about on this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I just wanted to say baby. So what does that mean? Oh, I think that might mean something like Vegas, baby. <laughs> it absolutely does mean Vegas, baby. So we're just on here today. Hello. Welcome, people. I hope you're doing well. We are sort of in this spiraling in or spiraling out of different stuff. And so we just wanted to come on today to let you know that we're going to be away for a couple of weeks and it's not going to be business as usual. You're not going to have your morning coffee on a Thursday with anecdotal anatomy fresh off the, uh, I don't know, the cutting room floor. Is that still a thing? Judith's Um, cutting room floor (laughs) for sure. (laughs) You think, gosh, does that, remember we should actually have to cut film. That's cut it with that. Yeah. Anyway. um, Now I just use iMovie to cut it. (laughs) Ah, technology. So we're going to Vegas, baby. And not everything that happens in Vegas will stay in Vegas this time around. Yeah, because we're hoping to come back with so many amazing gems, bits of information. And coming back, uh, let's just say not coming back. We are stepping in as students, right? Stepping in as students to continue expanding our learning on podcasting. What is this called? It's called the Podcast Movement Evolutions 2023. It's a podcast convention in Vegas. So, you know, of course we're going to go. Yeah. (laughs) How could we not go to Vegas to do something about podcasting or just about anything else that would align with our highest skills and gifts that we have to offer to to our people, to our keystoners, to you, our listeners, so that... (laughs) You know, we keep refining and refining and refining the way that not only offer our podcast and the subjects that we have casual conversations about, but the programs of Anecdotal in Action and how we can expand and improve on those as well. Yeah. Yesterday or the other yesterday, Teresa and I sat down and took our year long calendar and we populated it with all sorts of activities and programs and interesting things that we have to offer. Um, By the time you hear this, we will have already done our first Discover Your Excellence, The Power of Personal Practice. And that's going to be a regular signature program of ours. And we've got a few signature programs that we're going to be repeating this year. Our retreats, Rhythm and Rhyme, Camp, our Wander and Wonder Walks, and things like that. So we really, we're hoping that as listeners are becoming more engaged, 
that you'll also become more engaged in the programs that we're offering because they, they bring these conversations to life and to light in a different way, in a more embodied sort of way. And they bring us back together. Our experience and what we learned last year, and last year was so valuable with the programs that we offered. First of all, they were well attended, so that's a plus. So with our programs, we learned so much with all of the different programs that we had on what it is that you're looking for. So many of you came to camp and to Rhythm and Rhyme. We spent a good deal of time outside, which of course everyone knows was, I'm in my jam when, when I'm out there. But really, I, I walked away feeling that people were looking to reconnect, that they wanted to build relationships. That was the biggest feedback that we received after our programs was, could we add more time into our schedule that was kind of free time Time for, uh, you know, a longer lunch where people could sit around the picnic table and get to know each other and form bonds and relationships and friendships that would last well beyond the confines of the time we had set aside for rhythm and rhyme and camp. Anecdotal anatomy is what you're listening to. Anecdotal anatomy in action is what you do with all of this. <laughs> so we, we've, we're kind of coming up with hybrid things. We've got things for, on virtual Zoom that all sorts of, I'm, my head's going to explode and my heart's going to explode with all of the incredible content that, that's percolating right now. I think Stacy used that word the other day and I saw your response to her is about everything smelling like coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When I think percolator, I'm thinking my morning, my first scent in the morning. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But, you know, with all of these things that are percolating, marinating, and as a cook, like, yes, of course, marinating in the yumminess so that by the time you hear about it, the flavors will already be layered and ready for consumption. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in Vegas, I know that in addition to being in the convention, to learning from experts on how we can, you know, better deliver all of the content that we have in our podcast. There's going to be a little bit of yay play as well, because we are going, you know, Stacy, we've talked about Stacy. She's going to be there. I'm sure we'll meet new friends as well. I am going to have an opportunity to visit with family while I'm out there and do a little hiking and backpacking and seeing all of the beautiful spaces that surround lights and glimmer of downtown Vegas. And Sherry, I think you have maybe no. perhaps some, no surprises. No. Okay. No, no surprises. No. Uh, plans change. You know, we pivot here, we pivot there, but I have family on the West Coast and friends on the West Coast and doesn't always mean that you're all going to, you know, make it together. But it was a good opportunity to sort of look at the calendar again and make plans with people who I haven't seen in a while and family who I love and miss and all of that. So, you know, this reemergence from quarantine, from the pandemic, and I know quarantine has been done for a lot of people for a long time. And I've been out and about now. And of course, once I went out and about and I got the COVID and, you know, all of that ensued, that madness. And then I got a cold not too long after that, just crazy. But all of that to say that we're back in the world and to whatever degree we are, this is an opportunity to reconnect. And what Teresa said that our biggest feedback was people wanted self-care and community and that socializing piece that is the glue to all of it. And so, so we heard them. We heard us. We are them. And, you know, hearing that um, just is inspiring for us to continue to roll out these programs and to continue to, you know, make them a little bit more rich and have a more depth than they already had. People wanting self-care and this feedback that we, we received was one of the motivations for things like this season, Yoga 8. What are the practices that we can bring into our lifestyle and how do we integrate them seamlessly you know, the, the, the excuse, and I'm telling you, I'm going to be on the top of the list of this excuse about, do I have enough time and where am I going to fit it in? And Sherry mentioned earlier, you know, working on our year calendar, which was both, oh, I'm glad I got that done and completely overwhelming to see how many things are on it. So when we're looking at self-care, that is the time to 
lean into our practices and sometimes there's a challenge. And our mission is here to keep offering the practices, to keep reminding, to highlight both the times that we lean into our practices and the times that they feel like they are a little bit out of touch because just because we are taking the seat of the teacher in sharing the information doesn't mean that the same challenges don't show up in our life and the same excuse. I don't have time. I can't get my mind to stop. Blah, 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 blah. Well, you just set me up because I've got to say something because it just happened and I'm feeling it. And because we have this, this podcast that is casual conversations, I feel like, and we're going to this podcast convention. I want to learn about the whole social media interaction too. I don't interact very much with TikTok, uh, but I decided to go on the other day because our editor puts our teasers up there. And, and I saw there was one comment. I was like, oh, a comment. Does anyone get excited about reading comments? Oh my gosh. So I go on and there's another teacher on there. I forget his name, but it was the one, I, it was the teaser about the chakras and uh, being, you know, having the foundation set and things could be out of alignment or askew if that's not set. I also said Pratyahara, where I think I meant Pranayama or, or Vishuddha. I'm not even exactly sure what I meant to say there, but it wasn't Pratyahara. Anyway, so this teacher comes on and he writes, very logical, but clearly a misunderstanding of the chakras or the way the chakras work or something like that. And I got that pit in my stomach where like, oh my God, people who know more than I do are coming on and, and calling me out because it was just, it tapped into all of my limiting beliefs about myself. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. How do I get to do this? You know, why do I, what, all of that stuff. And so I sat with it first and I thought either I can shrink and feel shitty about my own shadows, or I can have a conversation and see what comes to light. So I engaged with him. And I didn't particularly care for his tone at first, but that was probably my reaction because I was feeling shitty. So basically he just, I said, you know, I'm limited to the teachers that I've had. And I've had a lot of teachers on this and I've had teachers and readings and I've taught it myself for many, many years to many, many trainings. So then I'm thinking, oh shit, I'm part of the problem. I'm part of the problem that I see in the yoga world. And maybe because I see it, I have a piece of it in me, which is part of the shadow work. So I thought, okay, let me just dial back. And we'd had a teacher come out here from New York to talk about the chakras. And he had a similar viewpoint as this other teacher, but I couldn't get past his misogyny to hear what he actually had to say. So I'm not using any names on that. So I'm really kind of listening because I want to grow. I want to know what I don't know. And I want to become part of the solution because basically you can't know something until you know it, right? So, mm -hmm. but now I don't have any excuses. So I started, he, I asked him for uh, some guidance and he sent me an article that I started reading. And then I found an incredible podcast called, get ready, Chit Heads, Chit Heads, C-H-I-T. So the, the Chitta Vritti, a Yoga Chitta Vritti Narodaha is that second Yoga Sutra. So anyway, and I start listening to a guy named Christopher Tompkins, who is saying kind of, he's a scholar in the chakras, but not just the chakras, but. I think the tantric lineage, and I'm still very much in the beginning. So I'm not teaching this, but I'm just sharing what I'm going through right now. So I'm listening to him and there's a sense that there are like Carl Jung came into the picture at some point to translate or to, to kind of look at the chakras. And that feels a little bit into what we may be, what we learn here in the West. And then there's the tantric lineage that comes from India. So that is all I'm going to say right now, because that is all I pretty much have gotten so far. But all of that is to say that that discomfort that I felt, that ickiness of, oh, shit, I'm part of the problem. I'm, I'm disseminating false information. I'm misunderstanding this. Like, I'm not good enough. I haven't had the good teachers. <laughs> okay, enough of that. No more pity party. I'm going to do the work. So I am reading these new readings and I'm listening to new teachers and I'm trying to find a balance in what I understand. So all of this is to say we were going to do all season on the chakras because we're like, we can do the chakras in our sleep. <laughs> no, can't no longer in the sleep. Maybe I've been asleep. So mm. I'm choosing to have a sense of humor about it so that I can do this work and be a better teacher on the other end, maybe. But the thing I want to say about this is that Christopher Tompkins never once in his tone, there was no shame. He didn't shame the teachers who are teaching it 
from this more psychological perspective or perhaps from the Jungian. I, again, I'm not exactly sure. It was just like, okay, you can, we can innovate and we can improvise, but only so far. Like we can't negate or deny the origin story or the where all of this came from. There's so much beauty there and so much wealth of knowledge. And the fact is we've already appropriated this practice. We're not Indian. So what do we do with that? We have to respect it. And so I care very deeply about the transmission of these teachings. And that is all that I need to know. And that's maybe all you need to know right now. But I just wanted to share that because it was a vulnerable time. And it still sort of is. I still feel pretty tender about it. But for the teachers out there who are teaching in a certain way, maybe just learning the other so that you can decide. It's not one or the other, but it's how we transmit it. We can give give credit to where credit's due and then not overly improvise where it no longer resembles anything that it started out as. Right. I don't know. You know, being for me, being a teacher, I take it very seriously. I am a lifelong learner and I'm always looking to dive a little bit deeper into the things that super interest me and find out more and more. And I had a teacher at one point in time, and he came into class and he said, many of you have studied with me before. And the things that I taught you in the past in classes that you have been in, I stand behind. They were what I knew at the time. They were well thought out. They were well researched. And I shared information from an authentic place. As we have done more and more research in fascia, I found that some of the things that I had taught before are not as accurate as I thought they were at the time. We've had more research, we've had more science, we've had different lenses with which to look through. And the way that he phrased it, I really liked. He said, I can say that what I taught before wasn't 100% accurate. He said, but. What I want to say is I went through a learning transition and I've updated that information because I have more to add to it. I've got more information, more evidence-based, and I've changed some of the things I've taught in the past because they just don't feel true and authentic anymore. anymore. Sorry. Hello, New Yorker. So, That's yeah, the New Yorker my, coming my, out. Sometimes my Brooklyn shows. <laughs> I love your Brooklyn. But, you know, the thing is, is that's why we call this casual conversations. And yes, we speak as authentically, or I speak as authentically as I can in the things that I've learned, in the ways that I've learned them. And when we can add a deeper depth of knowledge, then that's a place to dive into and to be able to share as much of it as we possibly can. I, on the other hand, sit uh, a little differently than you are, Sherry. Because I think that there's value in beginning with what we know and recognizing what I don't know. And then to take that deep dive and say, huh, almost, you know, maybe it's because I love a good spreadsheet that when I'm looking at this new information, I'm like, okay, so when I learned it this way, it looked like this. Now I'm learning it this way. How do they compare? How do they contrast? Where are they the same? Where are they different? How did you know, this part of the teachings of the chakras, why did Jung come in and want to look at it through that lens? So the blending and then going back, now I'm saying, okay, so I've learned what I've learned and I'm going to go through a learning transition of finding out how that maybe can be refined into something that is more authentic or that has deeper roots. And maybe it will highlight the parts that were taken that cross lineages or cross that more modernization of the information. And those that are just like, you know what, you really took a left turn right here and uh, this just doesn't fit. So I don't really fall so much back into, you know, I've done this wrong, but I shared information that I learned in the best way that I could. And now it's time to dive back in and have a learning transition to see how it can be enhanced even more. You bring up a really, really good point. And yes, that's true. 
My question would be, why are yoga teacher trainings, why don't they know that? Like, why don't, when we're being taught to teach, why don't we know the origin stories of the tantric lineages? Like, that seems to me that that is the origin story of modern yoga. The other part of that is that I've referred to this before. I've implied this or I've said it, that I have often given my power away to my teachers. Maybe a better way to say that is I've relinquished my responsibility for further study, assuming that my teachers knew what they were fucking talking about. And I say that in jest almost because I include myself as a teacher to others. Like I, they should believe that I know what the fuck I'm talking about. And so in that sense, what this guy on TikTok had me do when I said I'm limited to the number of, to the voices and teachers and readings that come across my path, he said, we all are. He said, but then we have to do the work. I thought, oh shit. So the teacher isn't the end. The teacher is the portal, the threshold to cross in order to continue doing the work. So even I think the Buddhist, God, here I am, like I think maybe, but some big spiritual teachers, all the best spiritual teachers, I will say, have said, and Christopher Tompkins said this also, don't believe me because I said it. Don't believe me just because I'm telling you. So to have that kind of understanding, to know that there is a world that we may not know, and that it's our responsibility as students to then take what the teacher has given us and then find whatever truths are a part of that. So that is where, where I feel I am right now. Like I've, let, I've changed my idea of what it means to sit, to sit in the seat of the teacher and to sit at the foot of the seat of the teacher. So, you know, for those with gurus who have gotten to know each other over time, I think that dynamic may be a little bit different. I don't have that experience of one teacher over several years, you know, in that kind of relationship. And I imagine like anything else, it can be extremely nourishing and growth producing, and it could also be toxic and anything in between. So like any relationship, but I have at this point at 54 years of age, I'm going to take more seriously this take grab it getting the ball and running with it and not just holding it and waiting for something to happen so I feel in some way I've been asking for a teacher I've been like I've been emptying my cup for a while I've had all these teachers now I need a teacher and sometimes those teachers show up in ways that are that you don't know like that uncomfortable feeling that was my first implication or that my first direction that I had a teacher on the horizon and maybe not just one, maybe it was, you know, this Christopher Tompkins, who I keep going back to. And then there's Christopher Wallace. I'm reading his Illuminated Tantra book right now, which is blowing my mind. But all of this is like, I feel refreshed in a way, but I also still feel a little bit crappy. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you were talking about, you know, knowing the root of the story and finding that foundation. And as you were talking, what I was really leaning into and thinking about for myself was this path of professional development. And, you know, there's a difference, be difference between somebody who just as a side likes to teach a yoga class every now and again, and somebody who is looking to really dive deep into the professional sharing of information. So in our roots, in my root, of yoga teacher training. I took a 200 hour teacher training and it was a good training, but I'm the type of learner that says, now that I've learned that I'm missing all these holes. So I kept going back as you did. You took your 300, you took multiple anatomy type classes. You've taken, you, you know, detailed in-depth meditation courses. I went from my 200 hour into a thousand hour yoga therapy training. You know, my massage learning led me down, you know, working with fascial research and, you know, up-leveling my teachers to find the teacher that I related to and to sit at that hem. So I, I really can appreciate the gentleman who opened the door to look more deeply into the teachings, but I hesitate to think that we don't want to share what we've learned to a certain point, that the information that we have is still in evolution. It's still going to emerge into something bigger and richer. And we share from a foundational knowledge, and then we continue in our professional development to 
include more teachers, include more lenses to look at things from as many different perspectives as we can without ever claiming that there isn't another way to see it, that there isn't another lens to look through it, and that there hasn't been deviations off what might be the origin story's path. But we can get paralyzed by not taking steps forward, by not having inaction, by having this imposter syndrome or realizing that, yeah, I studied this for a long time and now I'm, now I'm having this insecurity about the things that I thought I know and the things that I've learned. And yeah, we're going to continue to learn. And we may look back and say, you know what? I went through a learning transition. Totally. They don't think that that is a reason to stop sharing and um, moving forward from that from our own origin story, the way that we did learn the chakras, that's our origin story. And now we're taking our origin story and saying, hey, guess what? We have another leg to walk that. We have another place to go and look at this even more deeply. And I still believe that even if it's not honoring the specific lineage that it began with, there's so many things in the way that I learned it that are helpful. And I'll give one story about what that is. During COVID, when we were in lockdown, my granddaughter said, Nana, I want to write a book about yoga. And I said, what will the book be about? And she said, the chakras. And I was like, that's great. Now, we have not written a book about the chakras, <laughs> and we may never write a book about the chakras. I was working with a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old who are now like, coming into their teens and have much better things to do than <laughs> to write a book. What I can say is that that experience and that time that we spent with them looking at the chakras and the way that I learned them in diving into that lens of the chakras was a huge benefit for them. We talked about how they managed their stress, how they would notice that they were feeling out of balance and yes, we attribute it to the root chakra in the way that I learned it. And what could they do? What practices could they have? And they used them and got a huge benefit with or without it perhaps being the exact origin story. They were able to use what, what they uncovered in their research that was easily accessible to them. And now that's their origin story. I think that's incredible. And no one has said at yet that there's no value or benefit to the, the system that we learn here in the West that may come from the Jungian perspective. That wasn't the thing. It was attributing that system to a different lineage that was not the right lineage. So mm. it's attributing Jung, if, if this is even right, like I'm still just talking, like I'm using this as a metaphor, attributing the chakra system that we've learned as the Indian lineage and, um, but it's really the Jungian lineage. So that's the piece. It's not, it's absolutely, I have derived an enormous amount of benefit from the chakra system. I mean, I've taken courses with Anadea Judith and I think she's amazing and I love, but if you think about all those different energy sources, those wheels, they are psychological things that we get to work with. And they're, they're, it's amazing. It's energy. And yes, there's resonance and it makes sense. And those maps overlay the other maps of the meridians and the other sort of, you've talked about different anatomical places where the wheels, you know, that those things coincide with other maps. So no one is saying invalidating that system of the chakras, only that we attribute it to the right source. That is all, like whatever that source is. So right now I'm learning that. So as I'm learning it, I'm trying not to also throw it back out because there's a huge learning curve here now that I have to kind of repattern my thinking about this. But it, the conversation just sort of started like as the teacher, yes, we, we, we can only transmit what has been transmitted to us. You know, we are all teachers based on what we've been taught and how we can put that forward. But when it comes to the integrity of the teachings, it's, you know, we're, I'm not, I'm not a tantric practitioner. You know, I don't, I haven't gone through the initiations. I haven't like, this isn't necessarily my path, but it was the catalyst for the path I'm on right now. So I do, I do care about honoring that 
in attribution and the way that we live it in a modern Western culture. I mean, we do get to fashion this as a reflection of who we are because that's how it becomes authentic to us. And we also don't get to negate the, the line, the line of mm -hmm. teachers that it came from. Um, yeah. But that's all. But the value and the benefit, I don't think there's any you know, question about that. Yeah, I guess that's why I'm so happy that people look at me as having the real lineage and how I integrate knowledge from so many places. Not to dishonor any teacher that taught me anything that they've taught me, anybody who's gone through, you know, figuring all this stuff out to make my life easier. I am in forever in your debt <laughs> that I can be the recipient of your your dedication and your learning and your teaching at the same time of uh, finding what benefits that I can share. And I think this all kind of, you know, falls into some of the things that we talk about and the things that I've learned about moving forward with integrity and moving forward with great information is that I like to have deep dives into single subjects. And maybe that's where we find those niches or the things that we get to, for lack of a better word, and I'm not calling myself this, but where we find our expertise is because we limit, not limit the birth the birth uh, of a subject, but we limit how many subjects we're going to take those deep dives into so that we can have something that I can have something that I feel authentic, that I've studied deeply because I narrowed my focus rather than expanding my focus because I don't know. You know, we talked about focus in our last episode and the importance of developing a practice of focus. And what I'm finding is, is that the more those interests and the offerings expand out into multiple different places, the less focus there is. It feels like a constant changing of hats. Maybe people can relate to that in your life and your job that you're constantly changing your hat from one focus to the other. My personality lends more deeply to staying in single points of focus. The end result that I find when I'm able to do that and when I really dedicate myself into moving forward in one direction rather than multiple directions is I'm less stressed and I have less anxiety and I don't feel tired. And so there's, here we go. Here's the practices of why, you know, we talked about the yoga eight, why we talked about having focus um, and all of the benefits that go along with it. Richard um, Freeman in his book, Mirror of Yoga, which you may have heard me talk about. I, I think kind you of talked like a about bit. that once. <laughs> and I know he didn't make up this, this metaphor, but he used it in his book, I believe, in the beginning when he talked about going, if you were to dig a hole looking for something and you didn't find it, and then you dug another hole and then you kept digging holes to find this thing that you're looking for. And then you find you've got your yard is full of shallow holes. And if you'd only continued to dig in that first hole, you might've found what you were looking for. So I don't know if that's exactly focused. I mean, it is focused on one thing, but it is sort of allowing your attention, your awareness to be funneled into one particular avenue. And I think of study or whatever that is, I, I get distracted by the shiny thing. I'm like, oh, I want to, like you're saying, notice what you notice. I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. So, you know, I, without having been diagnosed with any kind of attention deficit disorder, I can tell you <laughs> I am easily distracted, which is why the practice is so grounding for me. So that's why I have to practice that, that concentration and meditation because my natural inclination is to to get, oh, oh, I want that. And I want to be able to, I want to know. And like you said, I want to download some people's brains. Yours is one of them. And there are plenty of people. And I also want to say this, the, the training that we did, we both went to the same place, Prancing Peacock was beautiful. None of this is to kind of say that the death, everything has excessive and deficient and we all have things that we could work better on and whatever. But that experience is one of the reasons I was able to, I'm able to sit in this seat today because of the community and the love and the pure, the purity of the expression and connection and the intention of the Prancing Peacock to be 
a, a gathering place of of souls of love of this these practices and i just want to say that because all of these critiques and all of these kinds of construction things that we're going through are about growing and about a, a whole lifetime of practice not you know specified on one training or one you know studio or one class or one teacher it's an amalgamation of um yoga in the west and we get to look at that critically as yoga teachers and the same way we love our parents but we know that sometimes they're faulty and they are flawed and we you know they we can as a parent i'm trying to see myself through my kids eyes but you know same with our country love our country but there are things that we can do better there you know none of this is like an admonition to like oh you've got to mm-hmm. it's just you know okay this is this is a possibility to do better from going back i love the prancing peacock yes i had so i have so many great things that i took out of the time i spent a good deal of time as you did teaching in the studio being in their teacher training learning from the amazing people that were within that studio and uh, teaching as, at the trainings and teaching that's in how the we trainings. met yes all of these different things are all part of the path they're all part of what brought us here what i was really l- hearing was again coming back to the recognition that and this is my life because massage school is 600 hours yoga teacher training is 200 hours those are introductions to wanting to be professional and they are a step in to a place where deep learning is accessible and available and the recognition that they are the introduction and that there's so much more to learn beyond there is, I think, what I talk about sometimes when people ask me, well, who should I take a continuing education class with? And my answer is, vet your teachers. Anybody who, is, who really wants to be good at what they do, no matter what that profession is, no matter where their foundation began, there's a continued learning that we have as we go through life where we can we grow personally our own self practices we grow professionally with how we dedicate our time who we want to learn from and then we continuously move forward and share the information right there's this statement and i'm pretty sure that you've said it and i think it was stacy who says we only have to be the fourth grader to the third grader behind us right stacy so got it from her love that yeah we are able to share the information that we learned in a 200 hour program but we are learning a lot we're learning philosophy and you know meditation and mantra and mudra and how people move being able to watch them move and body read and Beyond just giving a set of cues, we have we learn to develop a visual acuity. And as we make the choice to, and I know, uh, and this is not a judgment, we make the choice to be a 200-hour yoga teacher, teacher who loves to go and share their gifts and skills with amazing classes. And that is what they do as something on the side. I know many. And I know many massage therapists who really don't like to go and take a ton of continuing education because they have their niche and they're happy there. And they have really skilled and wonderful hands that have brought peace and wellness to my body for years. Some of some really amazing massages I got were from students in my class. So without judgment, but for those who want to take those next steps to be professional at what they do, to find their area of expertise to share on, to share with others. That's where those deep dives come in. Yeah. That is where we wind up being in workshops and additional trainings. And we find the thing, I find the thing that really, really speaks to me. And that is, why do people hold pain in their body? Where is it? Why is it there? The multi-layers, we talk about this. We talked about it in season one, the body, mind, spirit, and breath, which is how do I understand that better? How do I understand the fascial system and how it communicates 
across all of the physical and subtleness of my own personal body and to narrow my focus and continue on that path of seeking out the teacher who knows more than the teacher before them. I want to find their fourth grade teacher. And then I want to find that person's fourth grade teacher. And in that, I show up as my best self in our inaction and in these casual conversations. But never, never, just like Sherry said earlier, the teachers that I love the most and the one that she said are the ones and myself included. Don't take my word for it. Hear what I have to say and then go out and do your own research. Find your teachers. I will probably... I have been one. If you're listening, I've probably seen you in a class at some point in time and are one of the teachers along your path. You mean of the millions of people who are listening to us, they've all seen you in class? I know. (laughs) Millions and millions of people. (laughs) When I show up at class, there's like lines around the door. It's like, you know, I got this. Remember like the clubs in New York City Uh when they come up and they're like, you're not on the list. Back of the line. I work at one of those clubs. Yeah. Yeah, these millions of people, they're around waiting to see if they're on the list. Oh, my God, that's great. That is great. Hey, and if any of you out there are looking for, and you're local to Bucks County, and you're looking for good Reiki attunements, that is where the Prancing Peacock, I would absolutely say go there for your Reiki attunements. If all of a sudden you're like, oh, but I want to do Reiki deep dive, Liz Connor is, is amazing and would absolutely, you're in good hands and heart with her. Yes. Yeah, Ricky, baby. Um, yeah. So, you know, you find the teacher who knows more than you, and then we keep moving. We bring the information from the lens that we've studied so far, and we are great, or I, I shouldn't speak for you, Sherry, we do bring the information from what we've learned so far. And I am grateful for opportunities to just keep diving in deeper and learning more and more. And sometimes that means I have to back up and say, huh. I thought this, but now I think that. Yeah. And, you know, a little one of my shadows, a little self-righteousness, a little arrogance sometimes. You know, if I learn something that resonates that I just immediately take as truth, again, relinquishing responsibility for further study because my teacher who I respected told me this, I would take that information and then, then repurpose it, put it out there as if it was solid truth. And that's the piece that I feel I'm unpacking right now. And you know, that feels the the shell that was so hard that contained it has cracked and, and it's, and it sucks. (laughs) And at the same time, I feel a certain elation. This may also be that joy piece. Like I felt just, even when I was feeling really, really crappy and like, oh man, because part of my arrogance was looking at yoga in the West and judging it as, you know, whatever I was judging it as, as different, you know, ways that we are disseminating and too much improvisation, improvisation is. But that piece, there is no room for arrogance for any of us. This is what, a 5,000-year-old game of telephone? There's no room for arrogance. But at the same time, like one person was saying that it was the yoga, Hatha Yoga Pradipika that was, which I always thought was the first, like, you know, codification of any of this. And um, they're saying how misunderstood that was and how misinterpreted and how that's just sort of an amalgamation of different thoughts. And so I'm I'm trying to go further back. I'm trying to figure out like this one book that Illuminated Tantra, I'm hoping will, it's going to be a book I'm going to have to revisit many, many times, but so much, so much noise. And so there is just no room for arrogance. And that's the work I'm doing because the fall from that is much further than the fall from humility. So to be able to approach all of this work with a certain humble, you know, energy, I think is, is important. Yeah. To be humble enough to meet people where they are and hope we're a little bit further ahead. And if we're not, to refer them to people who are more further ahead or if we're unable Or sign up for their class. Or sign up for their (laughs) class, yeah. But in my experience or my personal mission, in addition to our collective mission, is in any way that people can step into a place where they are being touched where they're in connection with others in healthy and uplifting ways, where we are moving together in, and we found community, we found a sangha that we can fit into that feels like 
that feels like my people, if there's a step in, then take the step. Take the step into mindfulness. Take the step out into the woods to be by yourself. Whatever those things are, step into a practice. Step into your seat as a teacher with whatever training that you have, understanding where the the edge of that training is and staying within the scope of that training. Step into your practice as a massage therapist. That's my other group of people. Or just step in as somebody who knows that they they want to be with others. They want to be in these programs. Take the first step because it's in action that things happen. And we're going to stumble and we're going to make mistakes. And, and if our editing is any proof, we're going to say the wrong things. We're going to mess up our words. We're going to have to correct because in talking quickly, we realize, oh, well, that wasn't quite right. And that wasn't quite right. But that's just being human. Yeah. We sometimes make mistakes and we say the wrong thing. And as long as I am willing to step in and say, you know what, I, I said that wrong and that was a mistake. We don't necessarily need random strangers to call us out and say, hey, you didn't do that right. You know, it's just as easy to walk in to that conversation from the gentleman from TikTok, which you engaged with. I did. But his first statement could have been, here's an additional resource that might yes. deepen your knowledge, right? There's a way to offer that doesn't come across in such a way that it's judging right. the place that we're starting from. We hold safe spaces for the people that we interact with. We hold safe spaces for the people who visit with us in action. And we're, I'm trying to hold the safe space for the people who are listening as well. And there's a way to offer the information that doesn't Absolutely. have to come across as you're wrong. But if you want to deepen your knowledge, here's another lens to look through. And he did say something like, I'm not saying this to be mean or he didn't say I'm not saying this to be a dick, but I'm saying that <laughs> I'm not saying this to be mean or whatever, but maybe it's for growth. And I responded by saying that is the only reason I'm interacting with you yes. because that is why I'm interacting with you at all or something like that, because I do want to grow and I don't want someone else's tone because I feel like that's me. Like, it's not his tone that made me feel bad. It was being recognized. See, TikTok is one of those places like that it's going to show up on people's feeds that you're not in control of. It's not just your friends. It's like this big, this big thing. And I don't always read comments and there aren't that many comments to read at this point. But I to, to run away from that would have been to almost solidify my misunderstanding rather than allow myself to be porous and recognize so while his tone was his tone and his page, I did follow him because I thought maybe he's got other useful things to learn and I, I want to learn them. But where I've been guided to these other voices, guided by voices, you can see that there are teachers out there who show compassion, who are not there to shame you, who are there to truly a good teacher, the best teachers make you feel like you not, they're not blowing smoke up your ass to make mm -hmm. you feel good but they make you feel like you can learn anything, that this is available to you, that whatever, you know, just the, it's, the, it's the integrity piece. So I think even with the arrogance that from before, I was operating with a certain amount of integrity with what I had learned, but then to be open to the thing that I didn't know, that was the piece, that door was closed until TikTok opened it for me. So I am both grateful and annoyed. <laughs> I'm not really annoyed, I am just really grateful that I, can, I have the constitution that allowed me and the practices that allowed me to see a teacher instead of seeing an asshole. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we have a lot to learn <laughs> and we will share whatever it is that we do learn. And if you have some comments that uh, you think are important, TikTok is one way, but anecdotalanatomy at gmail.com is much more direct. Uh, it is a much more open platform for us to have discussions, for us to hear the things that you want, agree or disagree, ask us to learn deep, more information on specific subjects, whatever it is that you want, the types of programs that you're looking for, how you think they would be better and how we can enhance them. Those are all great things. Social media is fantastic out there and there's lots of ways for us to interact with people who we can share our gifts and skills with through social media, 
but it is also a tough, tough place to spend tons of time trying to build relationships in a social platform. So anecdotal inaction and bringing groups of people together where you can sit in the same space, look into each other's eyes, share conversation, talk about the things that you love and the things that you're struggling with and make friends. And hug it out. Hug it out. Hug it out. This is the place where transformation happens. This is the place where we emerge from being in our apartments, being in our homes, you know, feeling a bit isolated. Uh, Whatever that is, it's time to step out. It's time to emerge. And we, I, am looking so forward to going to Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. But also, more so for camp this summer, for rhythm and rhyme, to get out and walk in the woods with you, that is where healing happens. Yes. Ah, so excited. And thank you, Teresa. This is, we're looking for, and I'll speak for both of us because we are looking forward to this year of anecdotal anatomy in action, and we hope that you'll join us. And so we are going to take at least one week off. It may be two. Uh, We will do some lives. We'll have some other things to to throw into social media and stuff. But so maybe take this time to get in touch with us. Let us know what you want. And we're here. And we love you. We do love you. And you (laughs) will see us live on our Facebook page. So if you miss us because you don't hear our voice, just head on over there and click on whatever video we send you from from Vegas, because I'm sure it'll have lots of sparkly lights and (laughs) (laughs) a different kind of nature. A different kind of nature. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening, for rating, reviewing, and subscribing to our channels and other stuff. Thank you for inspiring us to have these conversations and to create contemplative live experiences that move our bodies, hearts, and minds to the rhythm of our highest selves. Thank you for showing up. Feel free to send us your stories, questions, and comments to anecdotalanatomy at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank our amazing editor, Judith George, Keith Kenny for our fun music, and Cindy Fatsis for our photos. Journey with us as we continue down the roads of discovery, taking the detours and meeting the mysteries. You are our why. See you next time.